Well, today we're starting a new series. You see it up on the screen, Dream Big. And uh, it's an opportunity for us over the next three weeks to talk about the hopes and the dreams that God has for our lives. But more importantly, it's going to beg the question, um, are you dreaming big? Are you dreaming about the life that God has for you? We're going to be in this for about three weeks, and then, folks, we get into the Advent Christmas season. And just as a kind of a forte for that, it's going to be um, simply Christmas for several weeks. We've got a a great Advent Christmas season planned. Um, What a wonderful time to invite family and friends, especially friends who don't have church homes. Have them come with you. 80% of the people come to a church because they say somebody personally invited them. So if you invite somebody, guess what? There's an 80% chance that they're coming. And that's, that's huge. That's huge. So we're talking about dream big. We're talking about uh, what it means to have those. So um, in thinking about this today, I, I really am uh, amped up about what this uh, series is going to do for us the next couple weeks. I'm not just saying that. You're like, ah, oh, you say that about every series we do. No, no. This is one that I think will be very valuable and especially very timely um, as we move ahead together. Well, one of my favorite poet theologians is Theodore Geisel. Uh, you see a picture of him here in a second. Just this nice-looking little old guy that uh, wrote, wrote a bunch of books. And, and did you know when he was starting out that um, he couldn't get anybody to publish his works? He tried and he tried and tried. His hope and his dream, his big dream was he wanted to publish, he wanted to write and have published children's books. He went to none less than 21 different publishing houses, and they all thought he was kind of weird. He told stories in a weird way, and they thought maybe it would scare kids, or it was kind of bizarre for kids, and, and, and they were like, you know, hey, we're not going to give you a try, and, and, and Theodore Geisel said, but, but I really feel that this is part of my dream, to, to write and have published these children's books. Well, one of his friends finally gave him a chance and published his book, but he said, I'll publish it under one thing, you change your name. You write under a pseudonym. His pseudonym, you might recognize, is Dr. Seuss. Look, you are a smart bunch. You know, the last service I had him reeling in a little bit, you know, and I was playing. Anyway, so, so he, you know, he has sold millions of books, millions of books. Why? Because he had a dream and he did everything he could to fulfill that. Well, your imagination is something from God. I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but God gives you an imagination as a gift. And God places that gift inside of you. Einstein said, uh, it was so important, Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge. So Einstein, who's like the smartest guy, I think, that, that we've always bragged about, that we've known in our history, he says imagination is more important than that. Napoleon, the great uh, military conqueror, Napoleon said, imagination rules the world. Not power, not might, not armies, not um, you know, weapons, but imagination rules the world. So we find out uh, the importance of that, and, and, and really it's important for us to have an imagination. It's important for us to dream. Psychologists will say that if you don't spend any time dreaming during your life, then you're missing out on life. And they'll also underscore that to say that every person should have a hope, or more importantly, a dream for their life. We should be dreaming about what our life can be. We should be dreaming about the big things that are out there. We should be pursuing the things that that get us excited, and the things that will help motivate us in our life. So let me ask you as we're beginning this series, do you have a dream? Do you have something that's motivational inside of you? Do you have something that gives you the opportunity to want to get out of bed? The difference between getting out and up in the morning is, you know, uh, good morning, Lord, and good Lord, it's morning. I mean, so do you have a dream? And the dream is what helps us to move forward. Now, I used to, um, I used to think that, that dreams were 
Uh, for me personally, I used to think that my dreams were bucket items, bucket list items. You know what a bucket list is? I want to do this thing before I die, right? And I always thought that bucket list items were my dreams. Now, I had a lot of hopes, and the difference between hopes and dreams is hopes are something that we're kind of like baiting out there, that if it happens, great. If it doesn't, then hmm, it's all right. But a dream, a dream is what really stirs the passion inside of our heart. The dream is what motivates us. The dream is what just goes deep into our soul that says that this is who I am, and, it, and I must accomplish this. Well, throughout all my years as a young adult and even as a middle-aged adult, um, I really struggled with this because I thought that my dreams were about my bucket list items, and I thought about it was like exotic travel. Like one of the places Patty and I would love to go to is Machu Picchu in, in Peru. It's a, it's a spiritual place. Some of you have told me you've been there. There's things, so I thought those were the dreams, but what I realized was that, that for all those years of my life, I had it wrong about what my dreams should be. And more importantly, I want to share with you that I, I think I had it wrong about what your dreams should be. You see, I always thought that the dreams that I would hope for, the dreams I would aspire to, the dreams that I would just sink my life into were things that would fulfill me, would fulfill my open desires, my heart, my, uh, the things that would just, you know, things that I could do for myself. I thought that's what it was. But I found out later in life that's not what dreams are at all, that, that dreams are not about what we can accomplish for ourselves. Dreams are not about what we can accomplish on our behalf. But our dreams, true dreams, are what we can do on behalf of God. Did you catch that? Let me, let me personalize it. Your dreams should not be what will benefit you. Your dreams should be what will bring glory to God. And there's a big difference if we, if we take a look at that. There's a, there's a huge difference between all those things. So we need, to be, we need to be ones who dream big. We need to be able to say, if, if, if our dreams glorify God, then that which I pursue in my dream should have one, one reference. How is God glorified in what I'm doing? In my pursuit, how will it bring glory? How will it bring people to God in all those things? You know, sometimes, though, I think, we, I think most of us would say, I, I, I want to have dreams. And most of us are probably saying, Bob, I, I, I can buy into what you just said, that my dreams should bring glory to God. Okay, I, I can believe that. But we all know that there are things that stand in our way of pursuing our dreams, right? Think about your dreams. Think about the things that, that motivate you. Think about the things that you yearn for, the things that you have set. Maybe you call them goals. Maybe they're dreams, but yet you haven't gotten there yet because. So this morning, we're going to learn about how we need to, to dream again, how we need to not give up on those dreams, how we need to understand that, that despite the things that can happen or things that come in our life, that God truly wants us to aspire and fulfill the dreams that are before us. I want to take us to, to Genesis chapter 37, just to kind of walk this out a little bit in our minds. You know, in Genesis chapter 37, we find out like in the life of Joseph, Joseph was one of 12 sons and he was the youngest and, 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 and Joseph had a dream. God placed in Joseph a dream. Joseph could literally dream visions. And one of the visions that Joseph was given from God was that, that the dream to bring glory to God would be one day that Joseph would save not only his family, but the entire Hebrew nation. 
You see, he went to his brothers and he said, one day you're going to bow down to me. And, and, and maybe he didn't present it the right way or, or whatever, but, but his brothers took it that, hey, you're going to like do something and, and lord it over us. You're going to like flex your little brother muscle and we're the big brothers and, and, and you don't really matter, but we do. So what they do, they, they threw him in a hole and they sold him into slavery. And he gets carted off to Egypt, and, and through the years, he builds the trust as God's favor is upon him. He builds the trust with Pharaoh. He becomes the number one layperson underneath Pharaoh of Egypt, and he is given all this power. And the dream of his family bowing down to him is finally fulfilled as the land is in a famine. And Joseph had made the promise and had made this, the tactical decision to store grain, and his brother's unknowing that he was who he was, that he was their brother, bowed down to him and begged for mercy. And in that, Joseph fulfilled the dream by saving his family and saving the Hebrew people. You see, sometimes the obstacles in pursuing our dreams is family and friends. That's what it is. It's our family and our friends. Sometimes our families will hear our dreams. If you've ever shared your dream with your family, Sometimes what comes back is, oh, you can't do that. It's too hard. Did you know how, how bad that situation is? No, you don't even try it. You're not going to succeed in that. Why would you even want to? I mean, do, do you hear kind of the tone and all that? And that's kind of what our family and our friends sometimes say. Now, I want to believe that, that, that that's just their way of grieving, right? That that's their way of uh, kind of dealing with, especially if you're talking about leaving them in some way. But yet, what we find out is our family and our friends sometimes are the obstacles for us to fulfill the dreams. Not our dreams personally, but God's dream. God's dream through us. Did you know that uh, Jesus got wrapped up in that too? Matthew, or Mark chapter six, I believe. Yeah, Mark six. Jesus is wrapped up in the issues of his family. Jesus is performing miracles. He's been preaching in the temples. He's been moving out all the land. His following is getting greater and greater and greater. And Mark takes us in chapter 6 that Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth. I could see the Hebrew Gazette would say, hometown boy returns home, you know. And, and so there he is, and he goes into the temple, and he starts to teach. And Mark says some interesting things happen here. So Jesus is teaching. His family is there. His friends are there. He's in his homeland of Nazareth. And here's what goes on in Mark chapter 2, 6-2. We had no idea he was this good. These are the people that know Jesus and they're listening to him speak in the temple. We have no idea that he was this good. How did he get so wise all of a sudden? How did he get such ability? But in the next breath, they were willing to cut him down because here's what they said. But he's just a carpenter. He's just Mary's boy. You hear that? There's something about you. There's an anointing about you. There's something special about you. But you're just a carpenter. You're just Mary's boy. I mean, we've known him since he was a kid. Have you ever had somebody in your family say, well, I knew you back when you were this, and, and I never knew that you would ever aspire to be anything good? Anybody ever have a family friend or somebody say that to you? I'm sure you have. And, and so this is what's happening to Jesus. We've known him since he was a kid. We know his brothers James and Justice, Jude and Simon, and his sisters. In other words, Jesus, who do you think you are? Coming back here, telling us about these dreams of God. We know who you are. So we see that Jesus is confronted with that too. So, so family and friends. Family and friends can be kind of like the stumbling blocks for our dreams. Here, here's another one. Here's another stumbling block. Life circumstances. Life's circumstances can stand in your way. 
Most of us would say, I've had a dream for my life, and then this happened. Have you ever finished a sentence that way? But I was hoping to do this, I dreamt of doing this, I desired to do this, but then this happened. You know, my children got in trouble, or I lost the job, or my marriage was, was in shambles, or, you know, all of this, and this happened, and I couldn't pursue my dream. I'm going to take us to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to read a couple of stories here, and I want to encourage you to go after worship sometime today, hopefully not at the end of the week, but sometime early this week, and read Matthew chapter 9. Jesus is interacting with a bunch of folks, and, and, and we're going to see some examples about how life's circumstances become roadblocks to people fulfilling their dreams. The first story is of a man. He comes to Jesus, and he says, my daughter is dead. But Jesus, if you come to her now, if you just drop everything and come to her now, and if you just lay your hands upon her, he says, I know that she will live. Now, can you imagine? Here's a father who has hopes and dreams for his daughter. He's thinking about, you know, her life. He's thinking about the day she'll get married. He's thinking about the blessing of grandchildren. He's thinking about all these things, and, sh and she's been robbed of that. The life circumstance, she's died. And the hopes and the dreams that this father has for his own child are no longer there. And he struggles, and he, but he comes to Jesus, and he said that, that something just tells me that I need to come to you, and if you just put your hands on her, then she will be healed. So, so the father recognizes the importance here. So Jesus and the disciples, Matthew says, get up, and they start following this man back to his house. And while they're following him back to his house, the second encounter happens. Here's a woman who basically had been forced to live within the four, four walls of her house. She wasn't allowed to socialize. She wasn't allowed to go out to the market. She wasn't allowed to go to the well to gather water and, and catch up with her friends. She wasn't allowed to do anything. Why? Because she had something going on with her that was a health concern. And the purity laws during that time said that when a woman was menstruating, she was impure. She could not be around anybody. She had to kind of be in the red tent, so to speak, and, and stay there until all this was done. And this woman had struggled for a long time. Her hopes and her dreams had to have been that she wanted to get married, that she wanted to have children, that she wanted to bless her family, that she probably had a trade that she wanted to do. Those were her hopes and dreams, but they were not possible because of a life circumstance, of an issue with her health. Matthew puts it this way. He says, a woman then who had suffered for 12 years, 12 years with constant bleeding, not just spotting, constant bleeding, came up behind Jesus. She touched the fringe of his robe, and then she thought, if I can just touch his robe, if I can just touch his robe, then I know that I will be healed. And Jesus turns around and sees her, and he says, daughter, be encouraged, your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. It wasn't like after a prescription of 10 days. That moment, she was healed. So all of her hopes and dreams that had evaporated, she now could have them again because she was healed. She was now seen as clean. Matthew takes us back after this encounter with the woman, back to the story of Jesus and the disciples traveling with this leader to go to the house where his daughter has died. 
And they finally get there, and, and Jesus comes in, and, and, and Matthew writes, when Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw a noisy crowd, and he heard the funeral music. So, I mean, this would kind of be like an Irish wake, okay? You know, everybody's there, and they're, they're wailing, and, and, and they're, they're loud, and, and music, funeral music, so they're not playing like, you know, ZZ Top or anything. They're, you know, it's funeral music, and, and they're, they're, you know, and he says, the girl isn't dead. He says, get out of here. She's not dead. She's only asleep. But listen to this, but the crowd laughed at him. And after the crowd was put outside, I love that, after the crowd was put outside, after they were kicked out of the room, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. And the report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. You see, when Jesus shows up, when Jesus starts uh, healing people, when people's hopes and dreams come alive again, God's getting praised, right? Right? God's getting praised, and, 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 I'm, and I'm hopeful that that's what we do. I'm hopeful that when, when Jesus shows up and Jesus helps us in those moments that, that we're giving praise to God as well. So Matthew goes on and he records several other encounters in this chapter 9. There's two blind guys who have been blind since birth. They, they want to be able to see the world. They want to be able to see things, but, but they've been blind, and they, and they throw themselves upon Jesus. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. We want to see, and Jesus heals them. Then there's the, then there's the guy who, who couldn't speak, and he's possessed by a demon. And, and all the hopes and dreams that his family had for him had been squelched. And no demon is powerful, more powerful than God, and, and Jesus heals him. And, and it says that, that, that they all went out and told people about what Jesus had done. He's restored my hopes. He's restored my dreams. He's given me life and purpose again. And I started thinking about this, going like, you know, what about those times that we feel hopeless? The times we feel lost. The times that, that, we, that we want to negotiate or navigate life in a different direction so that we can achieve our dream, but yet something is standing in its way. What do you do? Where do you go? How do you handle those situations? Well, we learned from chapter 9. What did they do? They went to Jesus. Let me go to Jesus. Church, always throw out the name Jesus. It's always going to be the right answer. They went to Jesus, and he was there. You see, Satan's favorite phrase, and let me tell you, there's some people who would say there, there's no evil, there's no devil, there's no Satan, there's nothing. You know, I, I believe there is evil. I think you should believe that there's evil. Scriptures tell us that there's evil. It's why the imagery of the Bible is constantly light and darkness, but that the light will overcome the darkness. And Satan's favorite expression to you and me is, you can't do it. Did you hear that? I want to pursue my dreams. You can't do it. But I want to free and be free and pursue my dreams for God. You can't do it. You got this, and you got that, and this baggage, and that baggage, and no one's going to listen to you, and, 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 and who's going to take you seriously? You can't do this. And that's why I think it's so important for us to make sure that we can understand some life verses of Scripture. I have a lot of life verses, and there's one that I recalled as I was 
putting this message together. So, so when Satan is knocking at the door, when Satan is saying, you can't pursue your dream, you can't achieve it, you can't get there, you need to look at Satan with the authority of the Apostle Paul, and you need to say what Paul wrote in his letter to the church of Philippi, I can do all things in Christ who gives me the strength, and rebuke that. Rebuke it. Don't let the devil pull you down. Don't let the devil tell you that you can't fulfill your dreams. You can, and God is the one that will get you there. One of the stories I, I relate to really well in Scripture is Hebrews 11. And it's an amazing story. It's called the faith chapter, and it talks about all the faith of all the big uh, um, heavyweights of the Scriptures, you know, Abraham and all these people. And, and the importance of that. So if you ever want to like, well, what does it mean to have faith? Go to Hebrews chapter 11. In the back half of your Bible, New Testament, find it, Hebrews chapter 11, and read it. And I love what's happening here because Abraham is a guy that, that God saw favor in. Abraham's a guy that God said, I think this guy's got a future. He's out there tending flocks and stuff, but I think he's got a future. And God and Abraham enter into this conversation. And God ultimately says to Abraham, you are special, you are righteous, you are somebody that, that I can pour my life into because I know you will pour your life into me. And God enters into what's called a covenant, an agreement. But God says, Abraham, I'm going to bless this covenant because, you know, you're, you're well into your 80s. Your wife, Sarah, is well into her 80s. You all have been wanting to have a child. You haven't been able to. I'm going to give you a child. And Abraham's going like, yeah. her age and my age? They're dust bunnies by now, God. You sure about that? And they're blessed with a son. But God said to Abraham, go outside and look into the sky. Into the, sky. the number of descendants you will have, Abraham number of the stars in the skies meaning you can't count how many you'll have so God presents this dream to Abraham and Abraham's like fat dumb and happy he's, he's just doing his own thing and then here in, in chapter 11 of Hebrews we find out that when when God when God gives you a dream when God places a dream in you sometimes there's choices that have to be made and God says this. So here's what the writer of Hebrews says. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call. God said, you're in your own land now, but I have another land. It's called the land filled with milk and honey. It's the land that ultimately uh, my people will be established in. That's the land. I, want. I know you're happy here. I know that you're doing great things here, but I want you to go to this land over here. And, and God says to Abraham, travel to this unknown, unknown place, and that's going to be your home. And when he left, when Abraham left, he had no idea where he was going. So God says, Abraham, pack up. It's time, for you to, it's time for you to go. Go do what I'm asking you. Fulfill my dream in you. And I, and I often wondered, because it's not in the scriptures, how did Sarah react when Abraham went home and said, pack your bags, we're leaving? Like a frying pan fly through the, bang, you know, I mean, we, we, don't, we don't get that. We know it happened, right? <laughs> so we find out this. So, so Abraham, Abraham surrendered. Remember what I said earlier? The pursuit of our dreams should not be something that brings glory to us, but it brings glory to God. And Abraham did what God said. 
and God was glorified. In the Matthew 9 stories this morning, we're going to see some, some of these things that go over and over and over. And, and we see what it takes to pursue the, the dream, you know, the ruler. The ruler went to risk his status. He was going to be seen by Jesus, who, who was being hunted by others. We see um, this woman who was going to risk being exposed into a community publicly where people knew she was unclean, but she was willing to risk that and the ridicule that. We see these blind persons. They were willing to bet it all, to risk everything, that God would give them their sight back. And what about the, what about the guy who had the demon in him? You know, we, we, we see the, the significance of that, that, that God delivers and God is there. But it's the story of the woman. It's the story of the woman that touches me the most. And it touches me because it reminds me about how we treat people. We push them aside. We belittle them. We tell them that they can't be included. We do all those kind of things, just like they did with her. And here, what did she do? She took a step forward and she said, if I could just touch his robe, if I could just touch his robe, I'll be healed. So she had, some would call it faith. Maybe it's faith with courage. Maybe it's courage and faith. Maybe it's all the above. She took the steps to get to Jesus. And I think that's what I want to point out in all these stories here is these persons had hopes and dreams that had been squelched. We've talked about the reasons why. But all of them took the steps to meet Jesus. So listen, there's some of us in the room today, I mean, we're, we're struggling with life. We're feeling like our hopes and dreams couldn't, um, could, can't be achieved. We're family and friends are bickering and dinking with all that stuff. And we're seeing life circumstances muddy the water. And we're just feeling kind of stuck. Go to Jesus. Believe it. Take the risk and go to Jesus. And let God allow your dream to blossom. And let me tell you, when you surrender your dream to God, and God is the one who's blessed, it's going to change the world. You can bet on it. Let me encourage you to dream big. 